from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. After last night's 3-2, four-overtime loss for the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final against the Florida Panthers. Alongside Brian Murphy, Dennis Cox here with you this afternoon. Graham Hill producing the program. I have not had a chance to nap today, Brian Murphy, but I know I need one. <laughs> You're doing well. You've, you've done well hanging in there. You I, got plans tonight or you can get that nap in tonight? Oh, I'm, I plan on going to bed in about an hour and a half. <laughs> it's about the time I'm going to go to bed. Uh, I'm honestly ordering a pizza in tonight and I'm sitting on the couch. I'm actually I'm dog sitting my girlfriend's dog uh, while she's out of town. So it's just going to be me and him just hanging out, doing nothing. And that's okay. Well, getting ready for game two. They- yeah, yes, I I still need to recover for game two. How the Carolina Hurricanes, not just emotionally, but physically going to recover for game two. It's something that Florida Panthers have to deal with as well. The ACC announced how much money. They continue to make record dollars, but apparently it's not enough, Brian Murphy. Sports betting might be a real thing. Some rookie quarterbacks talk to a legend. And the NBA here as well as we have the Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. We'll start actually real quick in the NBA. Lakers lose to the Nuggets last night. They're down 2-0 in their series against Denver. Another triple-double for Nikola Jokic. This might be the right time. A lot of people came in saying, hey, the West is wide open. There's no true dominant team. Things are wide open for the Denver Nuggets to make the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think, if anything, the Nuggets are the dominant team. They had the yeah. number, their number one seed in the West. They are unbelievable at home where that altitude really helps them. I think that's a good point. That's something that people don't factor in. They talk about it when they go play the Denver Broncos because it's outside. But no, altitude does matter indoors too. And the Nuggets are undefeated at home in the playoffs. Yeah. um, Which I don't think is a coincidence. Uh, Now they're up 2-0 on the Lakers. And I think LeBron and and in particular LeBron, it's a lot to ask. A 38-year-old with a bad leg. To, to carry this team. And I know he's not carrying it in the way that he carried all those Heat teams and Cavs teams in the yeah. past. But but it's a lot to ask for LeBron to be the second best player on a team to get to the finals at this stage in his career. And I think as much as Austin Reeves is playing really well, as much as Anthony Davis is playing really well, the Nuggets with with Jokic and Murray and, and Porter and Gordon and, and Brent Brown coming off the bench just seem to have a, just a little bit too much for the Lakers right now. Jokic last night, 23 points, 17 rebounds, and 12 assists. And a lot of people were pointing out yesterday, didn't even play great in the fourth quarter, it appeared. Uh, but also, Jamal Murray, 23 points in the fourth quarter doesn't hurt either yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, if those two guys are going, it's it's really hard to beat Denver. Celtics, Heat, game two tonight. The one thing that I want to see from Boston, can Jason Tatum take more than zero free uh, field goal attempts in the fourth quarter, please? More than zero. That's all he had in game one. He took zero free uh, field goal attempts in the fourth quarter of game one. He's the best player on your team, and you can argue the best player on the court. Why is that guy not shooting at least a few times in the fourth quarter? Yeah, and and I don't know if that was Miami's approach that was able to keep him from, from getting those shots, but this is the NBA. Your stars have got to be your stars late in games. Tatum and Brown have to carry this Celtics team, much like Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler have to carry this Heat team. And I think whichever set of those two players plays the best is probably going to win. And much like the Carolina Hurricanes are facing kind of a must-win in Mm -hmm. Game 2, the Celtics are facing a must-win in Game 2. It's in Boston. You can't go down 0-2 at home 
and then have to go down to Miami needing to win four out of the next five. I think Boston probably gets it done tonight. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. So we're seeing, I like to call it the changing of the guard in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL. Right? I know quarterbacks, in my opinion, get more attention than, than deserved, but it's the world that we live in. But nevertheless, in terms of these star quarterbacks, again, we, in, the, in recent years we have seen Tom Brady now, I think, officially retiring. Tom Brady retiring, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Well, he's not retired. He's just waiting until somebody gets hurt so he can get paid by an NFL team. Uh, essentially what he's waiting for. Drew but, Brees. But, yeah, but Drew Brees. Eventually, in the very near future, we're going to see Aaron Rodgers retire. That crop of quarterback is leaving. We have seen in recent years the Lamar Jacksons, Patrick Mahomes, now Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, this young group of quarterbacks now coming in. But the next wave of that, the rookies that were taken this year, including number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, the four quarterbacks, the top four quarterbacks that were drafted this uh, this past draft uh, in April, had a little sit-down conversation with Tom Brady, actually, at a luncheon recently. Here's Tom Brady talking about, hey, it doesn't matter where you were picked. Right, going in the second round, in the end, that's not real that big of a deal. Going first overall, in the end, it's not a big deal. Right, it's great. You got opportunity. You're probably going to be paid more than anyone for a time period. But I was, I was drafted, you know, 199. I just outlasted everybody. There's another me back there. Right. So how do I keep my edge on everybody? Nice. I had to, I had to keep working. I didn't go, hey, I'm good. Right. I won three Super Bowls. I'm good. So, yeah, that's Tom Brady talking to these young quarterbacks that are coming in. And he makes a great point because, yeah, whether you're picked one, two, four, or in this case, 33, if you're Will Levis, you still got to go out there and perform. Now, there might be some more leeway right. for a higher end pick, but still, you got to, it doesn't matter if you still got to go out there and you got to win. You still got to go out there and you got to play. You still got to go and gotta, you have to perform. So, it doesn't matter where you're drafted overall. You, you get more chances when you're drafted sure. higher. You certainly get more chances. 100% too. I, people talk about this all the time. Like, there's only one Tom Brady. Like, the, the, thought, yeah, exactly. the thought that we're going to find the, the next greatest of all time at pick 199. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, well, I keep it's... hearing, well, of course Aaron Rodgers is going to be great for, for, the, for the Jets. Look at how Tom Brady won a Super Bowl when he was 44. It's like. Guys, there's only one Tom Brady. Yeah, there's an, they're, they're called the exception. <laughs> right. It's like when Matt Rule said, oh, we're just going to draft the, draft the next Patrick Holmes. No, you're not. <laughs> right. No, right. you're not. The, the same, sort of the stuff with LeBron. Well, if LeBron's still playing at this level at 38, yeah, yeah there's one LeBron James. Like He's the exception. Right. It, that proves the rule. Like, you saw Eli Manning look at the steep decline that he had. Oh, gosh. He, he you know, he was drafted very high in the draft he had a very good career he's number one overall but you're 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 just not going to there, there's not going to be another tom brady who's still successful at 45 years old in this league and if you get one of those guys you, you, you count your lucky stars but to, to think that there's other six round picks who are suddenly going to win seven super bowls and be considered the greatest of all time that we saw that that already happened it's not going to happen again i think it go, it goes into his point of hey if you're number one and you fail, you failed. Yeah. If you're number 33, you're, like you're Will Levis, you fail, you failed. Simple as that. Doesn't matter where you were. But Or if you're 33, like Will Levis, and you're successful, you're successful. 
or if you're Anthony Richardson at number four, you're successful, you're successful. It doesn't matter where you were drafted. Uh, but either you fail or you succeed. It's kind of how it works in the NFL. All right, next up. One, two, three. So the Senate's going to pass sports betting next week, right? Is that what you're <laughs> telling me? So because to provide the backdrop again, because it seems like for a long time, the the House passed sports betting in the North Carolina General Assembly. The House of Representatives did. It's just been sitting over there in the Senate. What are we, what are we waiting on? Why? 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 Well, what are the, we waiting on? Yeah, the Senate's why, been why? busy. The Senate's been busy to, to have they. They passed their budget. They've passed okay. a whole bunch of bills that had to get done. If okay. crossover, lots of uh, legislative terms. Oh yes, that we don't course. really care about here. Um, but the mobile sports gambling bill. This would allow you to gamble on sports if you're located in the state of North Carolina mm-hmm. on any of these mobile apps. Yep. Um, there would be between ten and twelve licenses for those uh, operators here mm-hmm. in uh, North Carolina. So you're talking FanDuel, DraftKings. Caesars and and on and on down the line, Um, would go into effect in January. It's got to get passed. Now the Senate will take it up starting in committee on Tuesday. And now remember, a very similar bill to this already passed the Senate. They passed it in 2021. That bill kind of got hung up in the House and then eventually failed by a single vote in 2022 because a new legislative crop came in. All those bills get washed away. You have to start the process over. The Senate said, "Listen, we already did this. If you guys want it, House." You've got to pass it first. The House went ahead and passed it. Now it's up in the Senate. And I imagine, if anything, the Senate is more friendly to sports gambling than it was in 2021. Okay. So I imagine that this bill will pass. There probably will be some changes, which means it will have to go back to the House. The process plays on. But I do think this is going to get passed and signed into law by Governor Cooper, maybe by the end of the month, maybe sometime early in June. Okay, but still no gambling in the state until January 8th is what we're looking at. Right. The bill says January 8th, and, and think about it. So if once this bill passes, then the Lottery Commission, which is in charge of running this, will have to accept applications from yes. all these operators, these apps that want to get involved. They'll have to – the bill requires them to do some background checks and, and, and you know, set up rules and regulations around all yeah, this. a lot of fees and stuff. Yeah, paid so it's, it's going to be a little stuff. while to get all that set up. Um, if everything goes according to plan, I would imagine in December we'll start to see all those ads – from DraftKings, FanDuel's, you name it, saying, hey, get signed up. You can place your bets here in a couple of weeks. Bet $5, win $150. Yeah. I imagine the advertising is going to ramp up late in the year to get people on the apps so that when January 8th does roll around, people are good to go. My guess would be before Halloween you'll start seeing that. <laughs> that early? I mean, I, I, no, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious because they'll start throwing in there the early incentive of, hey, if you sign up, we're going to go ahead and drop in. 20 bucks into your account or whatever it is. Those those kinds of things to entice people to register. And I don't know how long that, that application process is going to take, but mm-hmm. I imagine as soon as that application gets approved for you name your favorite sports betting app, as soon as it gets approved and they know they've got a license, the advertising spigot will start. That it will. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. Speaking of the, of the money, Follow the money. The ACC says they don't have enough, but yet they keep turning out record profits. Yeah, the ACC. Well, say profits, air quotes. Yeah, the ACC announced today $617 million in revenue in the latest fiscal year. Okay. Distributed that to all the schools. All the schools got somewhere around $40 million. Uh, Notre Dame gets a smaller cut of that, of course. Um, most ever. Most revenue ever for the ACC. Most biggest distribution for the ACC to give to its schools. Um, you know, but... The problem is, 
The SEC made over $800 million. So they distributed close to $50 million to their schools. So Fair. You're, you're, you're behind in total revenue by about $180 million. Uh, you're behind in, in distribution to your schools by about $10 million at this point. Um, and, and the problem for the ACC is that that number is only going to grow because the ACC is locked into a long-term television deal with ESPN. We talked to Andrea Adelson about that long-term television deal that ESPN has with the ACC that's locked in through 2036. Now, there are some windows during that contract where there can be some renegotiation, but she says during those windows, when those times come up, it really comes down to some of the traditional football powers that are in the ACC to really step up their game. But I do know that there are look-in windows that are assigned periodically for the two sides to come to the table, take a look at the contract. Do we want to make changes? Is it worth adding some money? They had one when Jim Phillips became the commissioner. And so we've been writing about this story for the last two years. Um, and ESPN was good with where they are because their biggest football friends, uh, brands in the ACC are not holding up their end of the bargain, right? True. So if those football brands start winning, Florida State looks like they're positioned to start winning. Miami's pouring a ton of money into their program with Mario Cristobal. If they start winning – and the ACC has two to three to four teams in the mix for a playoff berth and an expanded playoff, when the next look-in window comes around, potentially things could change. That's the big thing. Comes down to the football brands. they got to be good. Look, the ESPN is not a charity. They're not going to give away no, more money not. to the ACC schools. But that being said, they value their contract with the ACC. They, they have, do. They have brand name schools under a contract that's advantageous to them. Of they don't want to see the league disappear. No. So they may at some point decide it's better to kick in a little bit of money here to keep this product together mm -hmm. than it is to fight the court battles that are going to be fought. Uh, the other thing I would say is like, it, look at it from ES, ESPN's perspective. We're paying Clemson $40 million a year. Now that number is all in. It's not just the television number, but we'll just call it $40 million. If that same Clemson team goes to the SEC, me, ESPN, has to pay them $80 million. Yeah. For the same rights. I already have the rights to every Clemson game that they play now, and I would still have the rights to every Clemson game that they play now, but it would cost me twice as much. Yeah. So there is some incentive to the e to ESPN to keeping the ACC schools content, at least, mm -hmm. um, and not having to overpay them for moving to, to the SEC. And again, this talks about goes back into perception because the perception around the conference is well, if it's not Clemson good, then everything else stinks, right? And this is where television ratings and things like this come into play. When Andrea Adelson just said, and you can go listen to the full conversation on the best of 99 on the fan podcast because ratings are driven by, again, perception of casual fans, casual audience, because, yeah, I'm going to tune in to watch Clemson play in Florida State, especially if Florida State's good, but if there's the national perception of Florida State's not, well, then people start thinking the league's down. The perception of the league is less. So when ESPN sort of thinking, well, no one's watching, why am I going to pay more for people to not watch? If that makes sense. So, yeah, if, if Florida State and Miami, these traditional powers, these brand names of football, elevate to back to where the ACC and people expect them to be, where they should be, that boosts the rest of the conference. That stuff does matter. 
narrative in this case does matter. We're not talking about net rankings in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> We're talking about perception of the league and people watching the product. That's what brings money in. Well, two numbers really matter, right? The, yeah. little, the little number that pops up next to your name when it says three, like you're third in the country or you're yeah, fourth rankings. in the country. Yeah. And, and you got number four versus number ten. Hey, people are going to tune in to watch that. Mm-hmm. And, and the other number that is matters, and you mentioned it, is ratings. And, and what is happening to the ACC, and this is something to look for in the next year or two, the Big Ten is going to have major slots on Fox, yeah, on CBS, and on NBC. Mm-hmm. They have exclusive windows on those three networks every Saturday, 12, 3.30, 8. The SEC is going to have an exclusive window on ABC at 3.30. Those are the networks that draw the eyeballs. So when you put Wisconsin versus Penn State on NBC at 8 o'clock, guess what? It's going to get a monster rating. Yeah. And when you put Clemson, Florida State on ESPN at 8 o'clock, it's not going to do as well. They've the, the other the SEC and the Big Ten have locked down those network television slots, and it doesn't leave a ton of space for the ACC. The ACC can hope to get maybe that noon slot on ABC or maybe the 8 o'clock slot on ABC, but most of their games are going to be on ESPN and ESPN2 and the ACC Network, whereas the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get a lot, a lot of network games, and they're going to drive higher ratings. So it's it's almost re, um, uh, you know, a, a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. Uh, well, we think these games are going to get higher ratings, so we're going to put them on network television where they're going to get higher ratings, and we're going to regulate your, uh, you know, move your games to ESPN and ESPN2. We've heard all about cord cutters and all of that. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, that game only draws three million viewers. That game draws eight million viewers. And now the next TV cycle comes up. This is this is a bad cycle for the ACC right now. Next up, Kane's lost earlier this morning. It's crazy to think about. I was like, "Gosh, it's two in the morning. This game's just wrapping up." They lost last night, three to two, in quadruple overtime. Adam Gold, who I'm. Pretty sure did not sleep last night. Gives us two minutes of hockey. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, boys and girls, I've got two minutes thanks to our friends at Dysart Willis, high stakes litigation and defense at DysartWillis.com. And these two minutes are for the 140 we watched in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Hurricanes and the Panthers, which went the way of Florida 3-2 in four full overtimes. No joke. We were there forever. And both teams had great chances to put this one away. Hey, why don't we start before overtime? Martin Natchez, just end it. The Canes get it to Teravainen, who gets it to Natchez, who's in on a break. Natchez dances with it, and Bobrovsky with a huge save and a follow-up with the glove. Uh, Natchez, in alone, ran out of real estate and a huge save. Great save by Bobrovsky. Natchez probably wants that one back, but again, great save by Florida's goaltender. And then we get to overtime. Hey, Florida scored. We should have all gone home. But then, no, chalked off. Goaltender interference. We could debate all day whether or not it was actually interfering. I don't know. But guess what? We'll take it. We'll run to the next one. And the next one was almost this power play game winner from the kid. Ajo snaps one. Bobrovsky with a save. Rebounded off the bar. Seth Jarvis had the game on his stick and hit the crossbar. Yeah, Seth had a great game regardless of the chances he did not finish in overtime. He might have been Carolina's best player in the game other than this guy. Face off one by Florida. Goes back to the point. 
Drive by Montour goes wide. He gets another chance, and Anderson kicks out the right pad. Oh, Mr. Anderson. What a save. Carolina will ice the puck, and they will greatly take that. That is a mammoth save. Florida making a change. Montour, low drive right on Anderson, makes the save. And then he's got to make the snow angel and falls on top of the puck before it crosses the goal line. Another monstrous save from Frederick Anderson. Freddie Anderson was awesome. You hate to waste that Freddie Anderson because he was next level great, but Carolina couldn't get a goal, but Freddie kept keeping him in there, keeping him in there, keeping him in there until the final mistake. Believe it or not, it's a Jacob Slavin turnover. Burns moves it to Slavin. Now Bennett will come up with it, and the score! Matthew Kachuk on a bouncing puck beats Frederick Anderson to the glove hand, and the Florida Panthers will take game number one with 12.7 seconds left in overtime number four and take a one nothing series lead. All right, got to bounce back. 140 minutes, not wasted. Think about it this way. Florida won game one, but Carolina made them play 140 minutes to get it. Now go get game two, Carolina, and do it in 60. Okay, thank you. Dysart Willis, high-stakes litigation and defense, DysartWillis.com. Yes, please get it done in 60. That'd be great. Please. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Play 140 minutes to get it. Now go get game two, Carolina, and do it in 60. Okay, thank you. 8 o'clock tomorrow night is game two. You can listen to that right here on 99 Now the Fan Stormwatch with Adam Gold. Right here on the fan, starting at 7 o'clock. You can also stream us on WRLSportsFan.com. And WRL-TV doing pre- That's right. and post-game coverage as well as the Canes chase this uh, Stanley Cup and try to even up the series against Florida. It was a late night for a lot of people last night. And Jordan Stahl, the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, discussed with the media after the game about, hey, his message to the team and also just the team moving on from this game mentally and physically to get ready for game two. Yeah, um, you know, obviously it's... Um, it's gonna be a quick turnaround. Obviously, I think it's pretty late right now, and um, you know it's uh, it's just about getting the body uh, um, back to even as best you can, and um, the mind is, is is you take it as uh, as one loss, and unfortunately, it's um, not the way we wanted. And uh, to, to play that long, you, you want to be on the winning side of it, but um, it's a long series, and we'll uh, we'll have to regroup and um, and go get him in game two. Head coach Rob Brindamore also was asked if there's any cause of for concern regarding carryover from game one to game two. No, it's listen, that's the worst way to lose. There's no way around it. You'd rather lose like we talked about last series where we got we had a game where we didn't really have a chance to win it. That one could have went either way, obviously. So but you know, we'll, we'll like I said, we'll we'll regroup and come back at it again the next one. I mean, it's just one game. Just one game. That's it. It's just one game, but 
I don't know. This one seems to feel a little bit different than another than any other normal overtime loss. If you look at the history of these long, long games, okay. uh, at least recent history of these long, long games, they, they have been more than one game. Mm-hmm. The, the team that has come out on top of these very long games has gone on to win the series um, routinely, it, almost almost every time, because I think there is a carryover effect as much as Jordan Stahl and, and Rod Brindamore want to say that, that we can't let there be a carryover. There seemingly has been. We saw it with the Hurricanes now, you know, 21 years ago. But yeah. in 2002, they played a triple overtime game, tied 1-1 in the Stanley Cup final. Detroit gets that win, wins the next two games, wins the series 4-1. to Was it a carryover? I don't know. But but the momentum is certainly on the side of the team that pulls out that game. I say it has to be emotionally deflating. Yeah. Like, it really has to be emotionally deflating to work that hard and for that long to come out on the losing end. And, and I think almost being in, I think being in game one might might be helpful. Like true, it's a long series. We know that we've we've seen it throughout these playoffs. You know, Florida's went to seven games in the in the first series against Boston. Um, being in game one, maybe there is the opportunity to kind of okay, we have time to regroup. You know, if it happens, you know, in in game five or or game six, maybe you just you don't have enough time to 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 regroup and, and to get yourself ready. But happening in game one, maybe that's enough time for the Canes to, to figure some stuff out. And and I don't think they need to figure a whole lot of stuff out, right? No, I mean, they played a great game. <laughs> they need one overall. of their shots. To, they need they need to beat beat the Florida goalie one more time. If if Jeff Jarvis's shot there in overtime on the power play that we heard there in two minutes of goal that you could clearly hear hitting off the crossbar because it hit the bottom of the bar pretty flush and just popped straight down then bounces out. That's a, a centimeter down that's in the net. It, it, it's simple as that. It's just that that small difference is really all that matters. Uh, real quick, again, about physically getting ready. I think actually something that we might be overlooking, Brian, is the fact that the Canes did have a full week off leading into this game. So it's not like they just played, for example, on Tuesday and then had this long four-overtime game that had to play again Saturday. The team was very rested coming in, but things were still very taxing, including Freddie Anderson in net. Rob Brindamore was asked, hey, is Freddie going to play game two, or maybe we look at Auntie Ranta? I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously that's a lot of wear and tear on everybody, but especially the goalies. Um, so, you know, that might be something we did. we'll either talk to him today, later, or maybe even tomorrow. Give him, definitely give him a day to just try to recover. That was Rob Brindamore earlier today talking to the media. I'd be 100% confident if they went to Auntie Ranta for game two. 100% have, knowing that you have a fresh guy in net. Because also one thing you don't want to do is if Freddie Anderson is still feeling it in game two, more possibly more susceptible to injury, having you know trying to extend himself even further, exert himself even further, then he gets hurt, then you potentially could lose him for longer. I'm okay if you go with Ranta game two because, again, he started the first five games of this postseason and did pretty well. Or, or just not as sharp, right? You asked a yeah. lot out of him a, a, a night lot. ago. Maybe he's just, you know, he maybe he's 95% instead of 100%, and that leads to two more goals. Or, yeah. or maybe he's 90% instead of 100%, and that leads to two more goals. So I, I just think I think it makes sense to go to Ranta. Brindamore's talked about having to play two goalies to win this thing anyhow. Mm-hmm. I think you, you've got to manage your team to win four more games, not to win one more game, to win four more games. I, I think Ranta is the move. 